The story continues. The Boundaries of Sentences, Chapter 5. Enjoy. She wasn't finding this funny at all. Darkness was catching up and she still couldn't find a place to stay. She decided to take her mind off her situation by thinking of the reason the Nigeria police had hired kidnappers to get rid of her. She hadn't stepped on toes this high. Or maybe she had duped a minister's son or daughter without knowing. But all the people she had duped were destitute or were just plain stupid. Besides, she had stopped duping years ago. Or maybe it was Manu, but he didn't have the juice to do this, and he had already taken care of her in his own eyes by betraying her. So who had paid these efficient guys to kidnap her and even drug her? Maybe she was just caught in a ninja de- delta mayhem, but she had offered her state of origin and they had just laughed. She looked around and saw that there still wasn't any sign of shelter. The leaves of these trees were big. Some of them were bigger than notebooks. Most of the trees were shading the sun, leaving only a few rays of it to pass through and bait the ground at various points. This made the forest look like a stage with spotlights. The scene was beautiful, but she couldn't let herself dwell on it for too long if she wanted to increase the odds of her surviving. She couldn't help but notice the squirrels that were eating pieces of fruit that had fallen on the ground and the salamanders crawling on the trees without any effort. The crawling of the salamanders took her back to one of her first mysteries, the print she had noticed on the Yoko tree. It wasn't like she had seen, it wasn't like she had seen the creature and Effie was sure that she didn't want to see what owned those prints. But why did those prints scare her? Was it the resemblance to a human foot? She had heard myth of apes that resembled humans, but those were foreign myths. And besides, the scratch marks on the trees suggested that it was a cat, except if they were two animals. That still didn't comfort Effie. Why was she dwelling on something so minimal when she had bigger issues like getting out of this thing alive first, then without injury? Whoever was behind this didn't intend for her to come out of this forest. If it was just some misunderstanding, then she was one of the most unfortunate people in the world. But she didn't believe in coincidence or chance or the likes. Besides, what were the odds? that she had been kidnapped just after escaping a close arrest. She moved on for an hour, constantly checking her back and looking around for any strange movements. It was strange how things were changing around her in preparation for the night ahead. Birds were more in numbers perching on trees than those flying in the air. She heard the first hooting of owls. That was the yawn 
of a reeking creature. A family of dogs passed her with the mother of the group, shooing them along in her shrub home. She saw the roof of a building and was very glad. Finally, I have increased the odds of my survival. I will establish a fortress here and wait out the darkness, thought Effie. The building was an old structure. It didn't look like something designed in the 21st century. Its walls were well designed with all forms of fungal and agate growths, to the point that it was hard to tell what the wall was actually made of. The actual wall looked brown and it looked like it was made up of concrete. Now, that was strange because she expected something this old to be made of mud or tubers of yam. Although the building looked medieval and had a sinister appearance, she was more than glad that it had been there for her. Without wasting time, she went in. It was turning dark with the last rays of sun fading away. And because of the number of trees covering the sun, she knew that darkness was just a matter of time. The inside of the building looked like a self-contained cubicle. She could see a dex and a radio, and she remembered noticing the antenna outside. It had looked bent and disheveled. The floor was tiled. The walls had once been cream in color, but now looked dark brown with stain. She wished she could find the weapon, and she had the feeling that if she looked well enough, she would find one. She saw rats feeding on the stack of books on the floor. There was enough to go around. It looked like the room had been ransacked because the chair for the decks had been she had seen was overturned on the floor. The books on the floor looked like they had been discarded and thrown on the floor. The pictures that used to be on the wall were on the floor. They showed two daughters on one picture and a woman on the other. There was a picture of a man definitely in his late 30s, dressed in khaki and shorts with boots and from the look on his face, it was obvious that he wasn't accustomed to photographs because of the exited and curious look on his face. The pictures were in black and white and they were thick, suggesting the early 90s. This was old. If he entered the bathroom and stifled a scream that would have alerted the ecosystem around her, the blood had grown onto the wall and had turned black, but it was definitely blood because Effie could see its source. The body or what was left of it was on the floor. The lips, intestines, intestines, fingers in general, the facial features had been eaten off by rats and other creatures. There was a big gap in the body's skull, like it was like it was scarecrow used to test a very high caliber shotgun. It was definitely a bullet hole, which had given the creatures access to the body's brain, which was now non-existent. On the shirt that had been once white, there was an inscription in blood, definitely the man's blood, which she could see clearly, even though the rest of the body had decayed. Talking monkey. The inscription was completed with a diagram of a banana, 
And now, America had a black president. How things changed with time. They had never attracted her, and now they were in her bad books. She let her tears fall to the ground like they were roses and like she was in the cemetery giving her last respects. This must have been the man in the picture with his wife and his two daughters. She was sure he had been reported missing and the burial was done with an empty coffin, assuming the family had been able to afford the coffin. She was suddenly aware of footsteps and hushed conversation. One of the people in the conversation sounded like a child. Effie ran to the only window that had been smashed through ages ago. She was right. One of the two people was a child between 6 and 10, and there was an adult male who looked like he was in his early 40s. His features were attractive, and Effie knew the guy was handsome, but the stress on his face made him look tired. They were whispering like the leaves on the ground were spying on them, and she couldn't make out what they were talking about. What were they doing here? How did they get here? Had they been victims of the same group of people? All this question clouded Effie's mind as these two people came closer. She didn't doubt for one second that these guys were harmless. The young boy looked so graceful and intelligence was written all over his face. Before she had started duping and doping people, she had been in Sunday school because of her love for children, but that was a long time ago. Her only fear was that these two people might panic if they entered the building and suddenly saw her, and they could end up thinking they were defending themselves, meanwhile hurting her. She decided to go outside and introduce herself to them and find out who they were. While she was still in her world of thoughts, she didn't see the rat that was interested in her black hair. It had made its way up her shoe and was on her belly when Effie panicked and jumped down, knocking off the chair that she had climbed to be able to see through the window. The chair was very old and was shattered under the uneven weight, leaving Effie nowhere to go but to the ground. Paul had feared that there was something or someone in the building he had seen. He had been busy being conversational with Dave. To keep his mind of the surrounding, because eight years of raising him had told him that what he now saw on the boy's face was fear. Paul's fear was fed when he heard the crash followed by the thump, thump in the building. He instinctively grabbed his son and thrust him behind. He looked around for any form of a weapon and saw a branch lying on the floor. He picked it and looked around, then focused on the house. His dad had scared the hell out of him. The forest had been giving him the creeps and now he was scared, but he wasn't sure what he was scared of the most. The forest or his dad's present behavior. As he looked at his, at his dad, one word kept ringing in his mind, scared. He always told his friends that his dad was never scared, but things had changed, hadn't they? She gathered herself and struggled up. It was shocking that she had broken no bones, but she had a cut that was quite deep. And although Effie didn't know it, 
she had a bleeding problem, but you wouldn't blame her because she had never had a serious injury. And besides, her parents were never there to notice such things. She decided to use the injury to convince the people she had been watching. When she staggered out, still unbalanced because the fluid in her ears hadn't settled, she hadn't prepared herself for the shocked look on the faces of the two males. It was then she saw how alike they were in their features and gestures. The adult had dropped the brand shoe she was sure he had picked as a weapon. Paul had expected a crazed person or an animal or some medieval creature to come out of the building. In all his imagination, he hadn't expected a lady. Yeah, that was the best way to describe her. She immediately climbed the list of the most beautiful females he had ever seen before. She had a wild aura around herself, like she was a female lioness, and he suspected she was from the south-south. Her curves were pronounced in her tight top and rugged but also tight jeans. She looked pained and was definitely injured, which made Paul feel like just holding her and telling her that everything would be alright. He tried to shut out these thoughts as he had done a million times before. She looks a few years younger than me. I have to stop thinking like this. It's not fair to David, but she is so attractive. While his dad was busy having the world war in his mind, David was busy wishing the girl standing in front of him was his age, or at most two years his senior. He would have asked her to be his girlfriend and he would have dumped Queen. If there was ever the Nigerian Tomb Raider, he had seen her. He loved the Tomb Raider. He loved the Tomb Raider movies because of the looks of the girl in it. He turned to tell his dad who she looked like and saw his dad was gaping wide-eyed and mounted at her. He could never remember seeing his dad like this. Except when he had been suspended for slamming a boy because he had been called a bastard. What brought Paul out of his war was the wave the girl offered. He came to the present and managed to say, how bad is the injury? It's not that painful, but it's still bleeding. Okay, what is your name? Mine is Paul and this is my son, David. I'm F.A. Under normal conditions, I would say nice to meet you, but these conditions aren't normal. Anyway, I'm happy to meet you. I just knew it. She's definitely a do. Damn, she's as eloquent and as smart as she looks. I have to know how she got here. I know what you are thinking. What a strange situation. Were you kidnapped and dumped here? Oops. He was too late. Paul looked at his son and saw the look on his son's face he had seen so many times and knew too well as an inquisitive form of confusion. Dave, I promise to explain later. Just let Effie and I I have some grown-up talk. His dad hadn't used the term grown-up talk in two years and he now wondered whether his dad was tripping for this girl like him. But that was unlikely because his dad had never been interested in girls. Or had he? 
Yes, I think that's what happened. Is that what happened to you? She nodded. I was dumped here by a, hel- by a helicopter. Speaking of the devil, they heard the sound of the chopper. And David was already moving towards the sound when Effie grabbed his hand and told him that they might not be here to shake hands. But at least let's try. We'll approach with caution. But if we don't try, we might miss our chance out of here. She agreed, but before they moved along, Paul used his belt to tie Effie's injury. As a tourniquet, and then used the sinner's shirt as a bandage. The salt from his sweat stung the injury, but Effie had other things on her mind. She was engulfed by the size of his biceps and the thickness of his chest. She now guessed he was about 35 years old. He was more attractive in clothes, but she remembered that she didn't have the luxury to have those thoughts now. They moved with caution, with David thinking his dad was drunk with, it, with his tomb raider. Effie contemplating whether to tell him about the scratch marks. Also, telling herself he was too good to be real. And Paul, thinking he had bumped into a diamond girl like Ryan Leslie. Like, like Ryan Leslie said it. All of them not knowing what the other was thinking. And the most disturbing part was they didn't know the dark presence had been watching them all along and waiting for the right time to strike. It had smelled the blood half a kilometer away. That kind of creature was not yet known to man. Or was it? Stay tuned for chapter 6. Get your ears ready for the next chapter of the Boundaries of Sentences, brought to you by Hobbit Readings. <laughs>